I'm very conscious this evening. I don't know about you, but I'm very conscious of a heavy anointing of the Spirit in the meeting tonight and give God the glory for it. I believe I've got a message not only for you and for all who watch or listen, but I've got a message for the nation at this time. Will you turn with me, please, to the Second Corinthians chapter 6? Second Corinthians chapter 6. I'll just lift out a few verses, but keep your Bible open because we are going to refer to this portion and many others as well. Second Corinthians. Pardon me, First Corinthians. I my eyesight's going. Pardon me. First Corinthians. What have I done? Verse nine. First Corinthians six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers with themselves of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Father, settle us. Settle us in your presence. Anoint Philip's Lord. Anoint this vessel of weakness. And help me to speak what you would have me to speak. To say what you would have me to say. Your words are not of my own. Let this be a time marked not only in glory in heaven, but on the earth. Let this be marked in the history of lives, that your word has found a place in the hearts of men and women, and that a difference has been made for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the world we live in, the year 2017, the Word of God has been twisted so much to suit lifestyles that the Word of God no longer to them is the Word of God, but it's man's Word according to man's will, according to man's desires. Living in the year 2017, we have seen the declension of godliness of morality, of righteousness in our nation, in our society. We have seen the falling away of many in church, the falling away not just into the world, but into ecumenism, following the things that we have been warned about in the Scripture 
we should not follow nor fall into. We see the rise of liberalism, the liberalism that takes the Word of God and bastardizes it. Takes the Word of God and turns it into something it was never meant to be, that they may apply it to their own agenda. They take the Word of God to corrupt the lives of men and women. We are living in an age where your children and my children are being programmed from children's programs right through are being programmed to accept the LGBT agenda, to be programmed to accept that things, whether it's from a video game or television, that violence is good. That violence is not bad and also things that are in their programs to tell them that everyone in the world is their own God, God of their own life, and that God is no longer God, and that God no longer or ever did exist in our nation. History has been revised. History has been changed by such people. Such an extent where we no longer see the truth of history, whether that be through terrorist campaign or whether that be through the state of the church and how the people of God have suffered being attacked over the years. You're told, and I'm told, that there's many roads to the kingdom, that all religions are the same, worshipping the same God, that the God of Islam is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it is not, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is the same God as many other gods, and in a plethora that they'd have us to believe. Then there are the atheists who say there is no God. But the Bible says, Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. We're led to believe that gender no longer is important. It no longer counts, even now at birth, where no longer is it boy or girl, but it is thing until it decides where the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman no longer holds up in society, but rather now it is what they call same-sex equal marriage. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not, trying, I'm not angry. I'm not trying to be bad. I'm just telling it as it is. And now we're having laws passed in Canada that now bestiality, marriage to animals, is being passed. Plural marriage. There was one recently 
online on the news bulletin that said, there were three men now want to marry one another because it's love. It's twisted love. It's not love that God has ordained. Paul gives everyone a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to everyone, to all of us, whether it's in church. Just today, I read about the Anglican Church in England. How now they're allowing their, their churches in some areas to be allowed for Christian, they put in brackets, Christian fellowship meetings to worship the Lord by men with men and women with women. We hear of many things every day, especially in the Western Hemisphere, in the Western nations, and in the Western church. We no longer hear, not much, the blood of the Lamb preached. We not much do we hear the cross, but rather we hear more of prosperity, and we hear things of five ways to have a blessed day and ten ways to have a good life. No longer is sin, sin, but little mistakes. And no longer is there repentance, but be sorry for what you said or done. And the Bible says, repent. Repent. The apostle says in verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, notice, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Notice, know ye not, or listen, do you not know, church, in your apostasy, in your ecumenism, and whether that be ecumenism with the Roman church or ecumenism with Islam, which is called Chrislam, now they call it, Christianity and Islam, Paul says, know ye not. Do you not know? Do you not understand? Can you not grasp hold of this? It's an exclamation to the church. It's an exclamation to the sinner. It's an exclamation to the unsaved, to your society, to Great Britain and the UK, to Ireland, to the West, to the world. And he says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know five times in this chapter he asks, know ye not? Know ye not? Know ye not? Know ye not? Know ye not, he's saying. And the church in many ways carries on as usual, carries on and just lets it go, and makes decisions that God never told him to make, and allows for things that God does not allow. This exclamation of this tends to lend itself to awaken the dead, the dead toward God, and the sleeping conscience of men and women to understand the fact of their current standing and their condition before the Lord. You hear many times through life, oh, ignorance is bliss, they say. 
Ignorance is bliss. Let's just pretend it isn't so. Don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear it. And I can say, ignorance is bliss. We just don't want to know. This is a get-out clause of many, but it's a lie from the depths and the darkness of the great deceiver's pit. Ignorance is bliss. One might think it, and they might think I'll play the proverbial ostrich card of ignorance and pretend I know no better. Ignorance is bliss. Listen, friend. While one might say ignorance is bliss in this life of temporal passing, in reality, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is dangerous for eternity. Ignorance is dangerous for eternity. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, and in chapter 16 and verse 25, twice, this is what it says. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs is telling us man's ways are not God's ways. Man's falsified ways are not God's ways. Man's religious ways are not God's ways. Man's ceremonial ways are not God's ways. There's a way which seems right, and it seems right. There are people who are so sincere, sincere in their religion, sincere for their church, sincere in what they're doing. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Sincere in their decisions, but they're sincerely wrong when they're making them out of line with God's written word. Ignorance is not bliss, but it is dangerous. And a man thinks, I'll be ignorant in my way. And God says, the end thereof is death. The end thereof is death. Two verses, double mention, I think God is trying to emphasize it to us this evening. Listen to Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. The Lord says through the prophet, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, you must come my way. It's my word. It's my thoughts, not yours. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 119. 119 and verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimony. Want to say it again? I want you to get it into you. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimony, said the psalmist. I thought on my ways and turned my feet to thy testimony. Baez Pascal was a French philosopher. He was a devout Christian. And listen to what he says about Psalm 119 and verse 59. The turning point. This is the turning point of man's character and destiny. This is the turning point of man's character and destiny. I thought in my ways 
He looks at his character, his ways, and turn my feet unto thy testimonies. There is a change of destiny to the man and the woman who find themselves seeing where they are before God and anything that's wrong according to the word of God, repenting and turning their ways unto the Lord and the word of God. Listen to Charles Haddon Spurgeon on this verse. He comments on it. While studying the word, he was led to study his own life. And this caused a mighty revolution. He came to the word and then came to himself. And this made him arise and go to his father. Isn't that lovely? In other words, here the psalmist finds, Oh, how wrong I have been. How wayward I have went from you, O God. Oh, that the church, especially the established church, would see how far they're going away from God. That the government would see. That our nation would see how far they have gone away from God. That they would turn to His Word. His Word would speak to their hearts. It would revolutionize their life and they would come Again, back to her father. This reminds me a little of Luke chapter 15, the parable of the two sons, the prodigal son as it's known as, and the elder brother. And the prodigal takes that which was to be his inheritance and goes into the far country, and he ends up spending everything on riotous living, and feeding the sheep. And I know that's to do yours. A, a backslider has went back to the Lord. That's okay. He comes back again to his father and he's, he comes back as a backslider. But listen, brothers and sisters, listen. Those two sons represent the two kingdoms of Israel. The elder brother was Judah, where we get Jews from. And the northern kingdom was the scattered kingdom, the ones who were scattered. And you and I are the very livestock of those people. We're the ones who are returned to God. We're the ones who are blessed of our Father. And God is saying, come back to me. O nation belonging to me, come back and I will heal thy backsliding. Reminds me, the prodigal, he caught himself on. He picked himself up. He brought himself home. And oh, thy prayer would be that there would be many in our society, where you live, where I live, in our nation, in Ulster, in Ireland, that we do the same to come back to God. Notice Paul's warning, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the word unrighteous here, for a moment, needs looked at its word, adikos. And it gives the idea of one who violates the law. Or one who has violated justice of God's law. How we have broken it. How we have broken it. Adikos for unrighteous comes from two words. One is alpha. It's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Jesus says the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. 
Alpha. And the second word it's made up of is decay. And it means not to conform. And when they're placed together one with the other, we get the word adikas. And this is what it means. Not conforming to what is right. Not walking right before God. Not walking right before God. Listen to what Paul says now. Know ye not the unrighteous, or know ye not those who do not walk right before God, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He's trying to give us a wake-up call. He's saying to the church, he's saying to the establishments, Send it to our government. He sent it to the man and the woman in the street. He sent it to everyone who will hear. Do you not know the road you're walking down? For it's the ways of man when we see what's happening in our streets and in our nation, in our towns and in our villages. We see what's happening in our land. We see they're all going down a broad road to destruction and they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Fear of losing numbers. And fear of losing jobs. And fear of losing their pay packet. Many ministers in the pulpit will not tell the people what the Word of God says, nor lead them right as a shepherd should do his sheep. It's not very PC. And that's okay. Not here to offend. May not be politically correct. But it's BC. It's publicly correct. I notice. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's what I just had written down. And I borrowed this line from my pastor who I grew up under. You cannot live wrong and die right. You cannot live wrong and die right. Listen to Paul again in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul is saying, who do you yield yourself to? Who do you yield yourself to? Who do you yield your time to, your heart to? Who do you give your love to? To whom and to what? Is it to sin, unto death, or is it unto Righteousness, obedience unto righteousness. To be obeying the word of God and living for Christ. Paul says, who is your master? Because the one whom you yield to, even if it's at that moment in time, that's your master. Think about it, church. That's your master. So we have, Paul says, do you not know, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants? To obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey. 
So whenever the Word of God says to you, this is the way, walk ye in it. And you know it's God's Word and you walk a different way. Paul is saying, then you're yielding yourself to it and you become the servant of sin. People say, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be saved because if I was a Christian and I was saved, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't go here and I can't go there and I can't do the other thing and it must be a really boring life and I don't know what you do with your time. I was just talking to someone, I can't remember it was yesterday or today, and it says, Lord, you know, wouldn't it be great if you just made an extra two or three days in a week? Have enough time to get it all in. And they laughed and I says, you know, because people think that the lives of a Christian is boring. Listen, I've been in the world, I've tasted it, I've seen it, and it nearly killed me. But when I came to Christ, He blessed me, and He has taken me to glory. Come on, brothers and sisters, you're the same. Who do we yield ourselves to? Then we become their servant. Oh, I was a slave of the devil. I was a slave of the devil. I gave him all my time. I gave him all my money. I gave him all the health and strength of my body. I gave him the long nights sitting in the shabines. I gave him time where it was time that I was actually starting to deteriorate my own body to the point where the doctor says, you'll die. I yielded myself to it and was a servant of it, a slave of it it is, because I loved it too much. But when I met Christ, I fell in love with him. I fell in love with Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again, please. This time, let your eye run down to verse 15. Here's another, know ye not. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. You're a Christian, he's saying, and you're taking Christ to what you're doing. There's churches and they say, well, you can just go and do this and go and do that. And we're all under the hyper grace and you don't need to worry about God's word and law because sure, it's all done away with. Brothers and sisters, in that case, the moral law of God says this, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Is it done away with? Thou shalt not steal. Is it done away with? Thou shalt do no murder. Is it done away with? No. Do we live in it because of grace? No. So when we look at this, remember I spoke to a person one time. They were looking for me to okay what they were doing in their sin. It was a woman. Told me that this person, I'll not go into too much detail, but this person a few years ago was a married woman. And she was having a strange relationship with another man. She said before me and she says, 
Do you really think it's wrong? This is a Christian moment. Is it really wrong? And I brought her here and I said, well, what do you think when Paul says, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Says every man that you're with, that's not your husband. You're joining yourself onto him and you're bringing Christ with you in your lewd act. See, I don't know many churches across Ulster or the UK you'll hear something like that tonight. But isn't it the truth? Isn't it the truth? Listen to what James says, James 4, James chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to what he says. Ye adulterers, ye adulteresses. Now let me stop you there. People go, well, that's to do with the same sort of thing. That's not what James is speaking of here. You see, James is writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, and this is what he's writing. He's taking an Old Testament concept, and he's speaking to these people. And he's speaking, and he says, listen, you're adulterers and adulteresses. You know what he's saying? You have sinned with idols. Idolatry before God. He could look at Great Britain and say, see every idol you set up, every football idol, brother. Every pop idol, television idol, actor and actress who be idolized. And listen, I was there. Everything that takes the place of God, he says, the adulterers, the adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Think about this. Is the enemy of God. The idea here is you're an idolater. And you're an adulterer, an adulteress, in the sense that Israel were God's wife. And he says, I've come in to our home, that is in Canaan land, many times, he says, and I found you with other lovers. He said, first of all, to the northern kingdom in the house of Israel, he sent Hosea the prophet, and he sent Elijah, and he sent Elisha, and he sent Amos and others to the northern kingdom. And they're saying, the Lord's saying that you're causing adultery because he married you back in the wilderness. And you're going after other lovers who are causing him to, to want to put you out of his house. And he did it. The same happened with Judah. Listen to what John Trapp, the old Puritan, says here. Let me read the verse again, then let me comment what John Trapp says. I think this is powerful. Listen to this. Let me comment, first of all, on the verse. Ye adulterers, ye, ye adulterers, ye adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is the enemy, enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Puritan John Trapp says, you have your hearts full of harlotry. This vile strumpet the world, 
that lays forth her two breasts of profit and pleasure and ensnareth many, for the which she must be burnt as a whore by the fire of the last day. You go into the book of Revelation, chapters 17, 18, around there, and you'll find right through there before the, the, the picture of Revelation 19, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and as King of kings and Lord of lords. You'll read there of great Babylon falling. Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen. The mother of hearts and abominations of the whole earth. And you'll read of these fallings. You say, well, there's one falling and there's another falling. And this is the way the fallings are. One of them is ecclesiastical. And the other one will be where nations will fall, where the monetary system will fall. You see, ecclesiastically, they're trying to get a, a new world order, a one world government to worship under one head. And that's what's happening, brothers and sisters. That's why there's ecumenism. That's why they're gathering together. That's why every religion under the sun are meeting in the Vatican. Oh, and the church are walking like blind bats right into the middle of it. And then the world, the tentacles of the monetary system is spreading and stretching. I think there's only three countries in the world left that doesn't have a centralized bank run by the Rothschilds. One of them is North Korea. Are you hearing about North Korea in the news? Now you know why, don't you? Because they want their central bank there. You see the countries where we had the Arab Spring? They all, most of them didn't have a central bank before that. Now they're all under this one worldism. I have something to tell you. <laughs> you see, every time you and I go to our bank, and I know there's one or two working in the banks who come to this meeting, so don't attack them, it's not their fault. <laughs> see, every time we go to the bank, and you use the hole in the wall, or you use your credit card, do you know what you and I are doing? We're using Babylon's monetary system. We're using Babylon's system. What's going to happen? Jesus is coming. He's going to smash it. The religious and economical harlot, the world has run after her, and even God's own elect people are being deceived. Paul says, know ye not that friendship of the world? The world there means the world system. That doesn't mean to say having to be friends with people. It doesn't mean to say having to be kind and helpful and generous and, uh, and go out of your way to bless. That's not what it means. It means that to be in these things where this world system has caught your heart and caught you away. See, the earth will abide forever. The earth will not be dissolved like snow. The group says to me, we were singing that song and that verse the earth will soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine. And I said, don't sing that anymore. Put a big axe through that bit. Isn't that right, Gail? Put a big axe bit through that, I says, because the Bible says the earth abideth forever. It's the world system that's going to be burnt up. I have to hurry because time's already gone, almost. Listen.
In 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul says to us, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Notice, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Know what he's saying? Examine your heart like we read earlier on, like the prodigal. See where you are in God and make sure your conversion, your relaxing is sure. Because there's going to be a time when there are those who are reprobates and they will not stand. So 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He warns then, be not deceived. Be not deceived. Listen to what Galatians 6 and 7, he tells us. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Don't be deceived, he says. Do you not know this? So don't be deceived. How many Christians are being deceived in this day and age? Let's be honest. How many are being deceived? How many are afraid to open their mouth for the kingdom of God and the glory of Christ? How many are afraid to be seen? How many are willing to love, 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 hearts and flowers, no matter what the cost is, no matter how great the sin is, no matter about the ecumenism, it's all about the love. Hmm. Told you this morning, the Lord said, Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? God hates the monetary system of this world. He says, I hate it. Hates the system of it. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. Listen to what Paul says. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient. Notice, deceived. I was deceived. I used to think that if I, I remember my dad used to say to me, he was a mechanic and I used to drive a wee van and I used to fly down the hill from Glengormley to Belfast, boot to the board in this wee escort van and he used to go way over the tundra, about a ton and 10, 15 down that steep hill. It was screaming and I used to think this was brilliant. Just a young man driving thought, nothing's ever going to happen to me. And I remember my dad saying, I was telling my dad, when I heard the screams out of that van, dad, I was racing it down and he says, son, see if you get a blowout. He says, you're dead. So the next time I'm flying down there and I'm coming over the bridge where the Bellevue Arms is there and the zoo on the other side and I'm flying down that hill, boot to the board and it's screaming its head off at me. I go way over the ton and it's starting to go over the ton and 10 and 15 this way escort van. And as I'm flying down, the first thing I thought was, I son, if you get a blowout, you know, you'll die, you're dead. And you, you know, that's the end of it. And all I could think of was, God, see if you're there. You'll let me in anyway, won't you? I was deceived. I was deceived. Well, sure, I'm a good Protestant. I'm a good loyalist, you know. You know, I'm, I'm forgotten Ulster. I'm all right. You know, boot to the board. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean like. (laughs) 
I was deceived. Sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Isn't that beautiful? Suddenly, I hear the gospel. I hear the comfortable words that the Lord said through Jeremiah the prophet. He says, I will speak comfortably unto her. I heard the gospel of saving grace and came to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the newing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed abundantly on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Thank you for your attention. Let me wrap this up. Too much stuff again as usual, but let me wrap it up. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. God's word tells you it. It means those who are not trying and failing and trusting in the grace of God, but those who are habitually walking in such a fashion. For example, fornicators is the word pornos. It's where we get our word pornography from. And it means all forms of sexual sin. That's heterosexual sin. Heterosexual. All sexual sin. Nor idolaters, we've looked at that, that's false worship and religion. Nor adulterers, we looked at that as also. Nor effeminate, which the word effeminate gives the idea of, of someone who's soft. One of guilty, one who is guilty of addiction to sins of the flesh and is a lewd person. Now the word here for effeminate gives the idea of male prostitution. Male prostitution. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind means one who lies with a male as with a female. A sodomite. A practicing homosexual. You'd think Paul's writing this and it must have been, there's hardly any people who have sexual immorality, any immorality, heterosexual or homosexual and uh, but do you know when Paul was writing this, Emperor Nero was uh, in, on the throne in Rome. And he was the Caesar. And 14 out of the 15, 14 out of 15 Caesars were either bisexual or homosexual. So it wasn't as if he was just talking to a wee group here and there. He were just, you know, here's a few and we we're big bullies on you. They were everywhere. In fact, Emperor Nero took a young boy and castrated him, married him and called him his wife. And then a man took Nero and called him his wife. My brothers and sisters, you tell me, are we not headed that way again?
nor thieves, kleptos. That's where we get kleptomaniac from, stealer. Nor covetous, always desiring more, greed of gain. Nor drunkards, intoxicated. In fact, it gives the idea not just intoxicated, from getting tipsy to being drunk. You won't inherit the kingdom. Nor revilers, that means they're abusive. Abusive men, abusive women, men abusing their wives. Verbally, mentally, physically, and vice versa. He says, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. And brother, if you're claiming to be of Christ, and you abuse your wife in such sin, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Sister, I fear a brawling woman in a white house. As the scriptures say, your husband has to keep getting out of the road. It's the same for him. Listen to what he says. He shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. This is what he says. And such were some of you. See, in the original text, it's a little stronger than that. And this is where it reads. These were some of you. There's hope for them all. There's hope for them all in Jesus, in the gospel. He says, and these were some of you. But you are washed. Past tense, were. Now you're washed. But you are washed, but you are sanctified or set apart for God. You are justified, you're declared righteous, even though you used to have a lifestyle like that. Ken Davidson, who had a lifestyle. Ken Davidson, who had a lifestyle. You, brother, you, sister, you, brother, you, sister, who had a, a lifestyle maybe worse than mine, maybe not as bad as mine. Nevertheless, the lifestyle that you lived when you were in Jesus, he says, and such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified. He says, you're justified, Father he says, when he sees you in Jesus, he declares you righteous. You're righteous if you're in Jesus tonight. You're righteous if you're saved and in Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Some other night, there's many other know you nots. And they're fantastic for those who are in Christ. Know you not, you're the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Me? The temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, do you not know this? You and your weakest form, you are the temple of the Spirit of God, which is in you. What's all the message to our nation tonight? What's the message to the church? What's the message to the individual tonight? Do you not know? When we see these things, do you not know? Then if you do, know that you're the temple of the living God church. Stay true to the word. Stand up for Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.